Timberland. And I'm Dara. And we are In Process. Okay, so hey. Hey, friend. <laughs> now that we're done talking about all things Bravo, privately, hopefully. <laughs> let's see what Sheldon puts in this episode. Let's, let's get a little more real. What are you processing? Yeah, so um, one of the things that I really appreciate about doing this podcast with you is that it's such a great metric tool for my growth. And I've always just been mindful of how much I grow. And when I say grow, I really mean how much I change. You know, one day I could like love the color purple and the next day I'd be like, yeah, I'm not really feeling that. And it's just because my interests change or I grow as a person or and I evolve. But I think it has to do with us recording again and being in this season of recording around the same time that we recorded these last year. I'm able to see like how different I am or how different I feel this time around than I did last time. And so I've just started to just take note as it relates to the topics we've talked about or just the things that I experienced privately. Over the past couple of months, I've just noticed myself show up a little differently than I would have before when it comes to going to public outings and public events and just being around people. In the past, I would go out to events, particularly business things or places that I'd be invited to. And in my head, I'd be like, I'm only going to be here 30 minutes. All my friends, all my plus ones know I'm only coming for 30 minutes. <laughs> I go for enough time for the person that invited me to see that I was there. If you're saying for 31 plus minutes, please check in. <laughs> yes. 30 minutes. I do a lap. I talk to the person that invited me and I sneak out. I don't even say oh, goodbye. I'm just on my way out. <laughs> That's how I've always been. And particularly when I was an executive director, I would have to go out a lot just to be in the community, but I would make sure that I wasn't there too long. And so over the past couple of months or so, I've been invited back out to spaces. And one of them was a gathering that you had. And twice, not one of them was yours, but twice I've been invited by friends out to spaces. And I've said, okay, I'm not going, I'm not going to show up. I'm not going to be there too long. And I'm realizing now that I'm, as I'm verbally processing, I'm realizing that also when I say I'm not going to stay there too long, I also don't go on time. So <laughs> I also have been showing up to places really, really late. Like I told you, I went to a baby, a baby shower, like an hour and a half late. <laughs> and so they're like, the baby's born. <laughs> right. <laughs> and my mom was like, well, one day my mom was like, Kim, why are you showing up to a baby shower? almost two hours late. I'm like, I started making up these, all these excuses. And she was like, do you just not want to go? And I was like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> And so now that I'm realizing, now that I'm speaking on this, I'm realizing and connecting all of the dots. So my issue is when I go out, I'm saying like, oh, I don't want to be there for longer than 30 minutes. Or sometimes like, I don't even want to be there on time. However, these, with these past couple events that I, or gatherings that I've been going to, I find myself, you know, either arriving on time or somewhat on time but also staying a lot longer than I anticipated. Like, I think I was one of the last ones um, at your house when we you had everyone over. Um, I went to, last week, I went to another gathering with some girlfriends and I didn't intend on staying that long. And I was like alone in her kitchen. We were drinking wine. Well, she was drinking wine <laughs> and we were talking and the kids were asleep and I did not expect to be there that long. And I was like, what has come over me? I am a completely different person. <laughs> like what made me stay there 
that long. And um, it also, while I'm showing up in these places, um, I realize that I'm no longer thinking about like, how should I present myself or like rehearsing um, an update for people? I remember that too. Like when I would go out, play, go out to places or even the gatherings that you would invite me to, I would be like, okay, what do I tell people? You had a talking point. Exactly. What are my talking points? What am I doing now? Where, where am I? And like- Because it sounds like that derived from anxiety. Exactly. Probably. And so I would show up in these places these last two times. And I'm just like, I'm just showing up like whatever, like not even or leave it basically take it or leave it. But also that didn't, those thoughts didn't even enter my Mm -hmm. mind. Like I'm just coming to show up. Cause it sounds like you felt more grounded. Yes. I saw this woman post something on Instagram that helped me connect the dots. And she said, once you get over your fear of being seen, the world will open up. And that's me paraphrasing, but I just remember being so shook when I saw that and I was like, oh my gosh, that's what's happened. Like I'm no longer afraid of being seen. I started thinking about like how I showed up at the last event that you had the last gathering or the gathering I went to last week. I was just like, oh, I'm no longer afraid of just being me, just showing up. And that was such a huge milestone for me because I do so much and I, you know, my hand is in a lot of pots. I'm always thinking, okay, well, what's appropriate for this audience? What's appropriate for this audience? And I just allow, I've realized I've started to allow myself and just trust myself to be who I am in that moment and not apologize for that and just respond. And it was just such a beautiful, peaceful feeling And it's so funny, again, because I didn't realize that that was what I was dealing with until I got on the other side of that. So I'm glad the algorithm was coming for you because, well, one, because you like to quit Instagram a lot, which is great (laughs) for your mental health, but not so great for these messages that are trying to find you, apparently. But it's interesting because it sounds to me like the stakes changed. Like at some point, the stakes of you subconsciously thinking if I show up and I'm fully seen, I'm not comfortable with what the potential outcome was that you foresaw. And so when I mentioned that it sounds like you're more grounded, it sounds like that must be related. And obviously you'll confirm or deny if that's the case, but I think it would be very challenging aside from like sociopathic tendencies to make that shift were that not to be the case. And I also think, and I don't mean this negatively, but I do think there's a form of manipulation that we do when we show up in a space and we censor in those major ways of they don't want this. They can't handle this. I'm not going to show them this. And obviously, let's be real, like everything's on a spectrum. Like in some cases, of course, you're not going to show up, you know, as your, you know, X self and Y environment to an extreme when they don't make any sense. Like, You're not going to be wild party Kim on a Friday, which you never are anyway, in a job interview. (laughs) Like That doesn't make any sense. But all that to be said, we don't give people the opportunity by giving them the benefit of the doubt of saying, let me lean into this. It doesn't mean you go at 100, but that you leave a little breadcrumb. You give them a little nibble. You give them a little taste and give them the opportunity to match that, to meet that, to be curious, to lean in, to grab hold and to continue sort of this ping pong effect. And when we don't give that opportunity, it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of you weren't going to, I didn't give you the chance to, therefore you didn't. And I was right. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so interesting because 
I didn't even realize that this was a thing for me. Uh, I didn't realize I was doing that and that I was that it was linked to my fear of being seen because as you know, and everyone knows that listens, like, I feel like I am super vulnerable. Like I, I have, they know. My, I, have <laughs> I am the self-proclaimed vulnerability queen. Like that's just who I am. And as I thought about that, I was reminded of a conversation that Sheldon and I had when we were first starting to date early on. And he said that, the next relationship I'm going to be in is going to require another level of vulnerability. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I am completely vulnerable. Like, I didn't know that it got any deeper than that. But through our relationship, through our friendship, through our love, he's taught me that I don't have to be afraid to be seen. And so that's why it kind of caught me off guard when I saw that on Instagram, because I was like, I thought I had already, especially with him, like I've gotten rid of that feeling of being afraid to be seen, like, because I can't even move without him notice. I can't think without him, <laughs> like, <laughs> noticing. And so I feel I'm so seen in this relationship. Um, and maybe that's just radiated until, you know, into my external relationships or my relationships outside of this. I don't think that's a maybe. Oh. <laughs> I don't see how your primary relationship being as stable and satiating as it is doesn't therefore give you more of a launch pad to jump more deeply into relationships because you know you have that stable landing place to come back to. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Huh. I guess because it's taken it, you know, it didn't happen immediately. I guess I didn't make the connection, but yeah, that's right. Cause it don't matter. My man liked me. So it don't matter if y'all don't well, like and think back to the relationship you've shared about before the prior one, when you weren't loving your job, you weren't happy in your relationship. I think it's fair to say you weren't fully happy in your own skin and with yourself. The stakes were super high to go into any sort of other environment and really show yourself and be rejected for that. That's you true. probably couldn't have taken the blow of that. Whereas now you're like, whatever, back home to where things are great. Oh, wow. And home is not just the you and Sheldon home. It's also you internally. Yeah. Like home base. Totally. Wow. That's so cool. I didn't even make that connection. <laughs> oh, she's smiling, not crying. <laughs> Dara's couch, except she's on the couch. <laughs> I feel like we need floor. a little, like, the more you know, sort of like, yes, the rainbow. Yeah. Is that the thing? Well, that's reading rainbow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. I think it's the star with the rainbow. But anyway, I feel like we need a little jingle, Sheldon. He actually Post writes production. jingles. That's his, another so one of his traits. Yes. The man of many. <laughs> but that's it. <laughs> oh, that's the whole, that's the whole spiel. Well, record time. I mean, I think that we can stop it there. Great. But I want to underscore some of the important things here, which is that being seen one is a privilege. Like you, we don't have to go into every environment and be like, I'm bearing it all. I'm laying my cards out for everyone. What I think happens often is in this vulnerability conversation, these things are interconnected and tangential. And people often think, oh, to be vulnerable, I have to dump everything. Mm -hmm. And same thing here with being seen, because again, they're so interrelated. We're not saying that everyone deserves that. They do not. We are not saying that that is requisite for every relationship, but that there is dynamism here, that there's a spectrum. And it's important for us to volley the opportunity for someone and see how they respond and how we feel in reaction to that. 
because I can imagine you've had experiences where maybe the way one person relates to you and sees you is different than someone else, but you're totally good with both Mm -hmm. because maybe they're seeing you in ways that both feel true and real or feel, what's the word, like almost reverent to who you are. And that's okay that they're not the same and that we don't need to have these like super fixed versions of how someone needs to show up for us or be there to see us. But even in this conversation, I think this was a great example of that. This is why we need people is that we can't see the spot on which we stand, meaning we can't see our own shadow clearly. So having people who see us and know us enough to to say, hey, I see this in the mirror reflection of what you're saying, of what you're doing, of how you're being, of how you're hiding, of how you're not hiding, of whatever. Have you considered this? Like you just had a moment like that, that wouldn't be possible if we hadn't made that investment prior to now because you let me see you and you let this audience see you. I think one of the thing that, things that you and I share, but you've kind of helped me through is like, I asked you this at dinner and I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, but one night at dinner, I was asking you, how how do you show up when people ask you what you do in places and spaces? And me, you and our, um, our two of our other friends were helping me like workshop it. And then I think one of you all said, well, it depends, you know, which room you're going in, just like you said. But I think one thing that's come, one thing that just clicked for me is I've kind of looked at that as being more of a nuisance, like trying to figure out, you know, what I talk about in this room or what I talk about in that room. But now because I've started trusting myself and allowing myself to just be and trusting myself to just show up however I am quote unquote supposed to. I'm now looking at that as less of a nuisance and more as a tool belt, an arsenal. So I can say, so when people start talking about different things, I can have an informed conversation. And then if people are like, well, how do you know about that? Then I can, you know, we can talk about that. But instead of leading with, oh, I do this, this, and this, it's like, no, I can just have a conversation because my background is so varied. So I think that that's cool too, being able to flip the mindset of that. Totally, because what you're also saying is, Rather than going into a circumstance like you used to with this worry or anxiety of how am I going to be what they want me to be or how am I going to fit in? You're going in and thinking, what's going to feel like an enjoyable experience here? How am I going to make this a time that feels energizing, that feels like I'm able to contribute in a way that other people feel energized and that I walk away feeling energized? And that is a really different approach where you can lead with curiosity rather than here's my script. I got to stay on script because I'm here to protect myself. Yeah. It's, it reminds me, and this keeps coming up for me too, uh, of back in 2019, when I did, um, an opera, an immersive opera performance on, on the belt line, I worked with, um, a close friend and who were, who was the producer for it. And on the night of, um, I did this thing where I incorporated like aerial sky dance and I also had a swing that I was supposed to be singing from. And I had taken like aerial sky dance, aerial sky, aerial dance lessons um, for about two or three weeks prior to the performance because I wanted to be able to do the choreography and like sing. And I had practiced at the studio with the swing being a certain height. So when I got to the day of sound, the day of the performance during sound check, when I got to the venue or the bridge, <laughs> um, <laughs> the swing was a lot higher than I had rehearsed, and I started freaking out. 
And my producer, Terp, hey girl, she she knew me very well. And she was like, can we approach this from a place of curiosity instead of a place of fear? Because I was like freaking out, like, how am I going to do this? And that kind of, that really calmed me down instantly, but it's something that I've continued to carry with me. And it's come back to me several times. It's like, let's approach this from a place of curiosity instead of a place of fear. Yeah, I think that curiosity is almost the kryptonite to fear, mm-hmm. that it's very hard to have that part of our brain firing on the fear state when we're coming at it from a place of curiosity, because that's a place of wonder, a place of awe, a place of imagination, and the two struggle to coexist. So props to Terp. Well done. That's good. And I'm glad that you're seeing that lesson here, because that's the other thing. I think often we have these little droplets of lessons And you're really good at, and I hope that people in the audience will do this too, but saying, maybe I got a little bit of the nugget there and a little bit of the nugget here and a little bit there. And like, that was a year ago. And to know, oh, these have been seeds that have been planting and teaching me a lesson. And the accumulation of that is helping me be where I am now. And that requires us to pause. That requires us to reflect. That requires us to do some of that inner diligence to say, where have I seen this? Where have I learned this? Where could I be learning this? Have I learned this? Am I continuing to face the same challenges because I'm not learning the lesson? And we don't do that when we just keep forging forward. We don't pause. We don't get still. We don't reflect. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's just really, really cool to see how life comes full circle when, like you said, you take a moment to pause, but also slow down. And that's what I'm focusing on is just slowing down, especially that's really difficult for someone like me who's been told and is continuously told that they are slow. Um, (laughs) She just gave side eye to our producer partner, Sheldon. Um, But yeah, I'm learning to, I'm learning to slow down because that's where, that's where revelation comes. And that's where, that's where processing comes for me. And I also know that like, when I don't slow down, it's because I'm trying to keep up with somebody or something else. So Right. And oftentimes it's not a direct person. It's the story that someone told or the accumulation of stories that have been programmed and conditioned into us of you can't be fill in the blank if you don't fill in the blank. And in this case, it's worthy, productive, successful if you're not busy all the time or, you know, fill in the blank for whatever the word was that yeah. one was fed. Absolutely. So, okay. So let's, let's close it out. I feel like what I'm hearing you say is ultimately being seen is really the only way that you're going to be known and that it takes bravery. It takes vulnerability. It takes self-trust and self-love and coming from a place of some amount of rootedness and groundedness to give people the opportunity to see you. Because frankly, what bigger gift do we have to give to someone than to say, I'm willing to give you even an ounce of trust to see me and to really see me. And how do you want to handle that gift? It's so funny you just used that analogy because my friend said one time to me, she said, not sharing yourself with the world is like walking around a Christmas party with someone else's gift and never giving it to them. Just walking around with this big gift in your hand. Totally. Or having this gift that was for Christmas, beautifully wrapped that you decide you never are going to let get open. Mm, yeah, that's good. That's good. Love a Christmas gift. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it's Christmas when they hear it. 
hey, Christmas and fill in the blank. (laughs) I'm the Jew here. We'll celebrate Christmas when we feel like it. (laughs) Hey, I love that for you. (laughs) Well, thank you, Kim. Thank you for letting me see you and us see you every single episode. We appreciate you and continue to cheer you on in your journey to be more deeply seen. Thank you, friends. Andy Burris's uh, episode of Housewives last night and scene. Oh my gosh, you watch the season? I watch all the seasons. Oh my gosh, I'm so behind. Because he's.